You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I talked to a special person, his name is Scott Wadsworth, and you may or may not know him. He is the host of the YouTube channel Essential Craftsman, which has gained a large following over the past years. And I reached out to him, he reached out to me, and we had a great interview about not only his YouTube channel, but what it's like becoming a contractor. And this is what this episode is about. We learned more about what it's like working in the trades, being a blacksmith, being a contractor, and how that has worked throughout his life. And in the next part, we're going to learn more about what it's like running a YouTube channel. And we talked to his son, Nate, who runs the YouTube channel, but for the purposes of this episode we talk more about the trades and it was an amazing episode if you're interested and you want to work with your hands and work physical aspects of the career force then this is the episode for you where you learn more about what it's like working physically and just being a tradesman and working in that area so without further ado here is the episode so my first question that I ask all of my guests is, what is your job title? Mm. Uh, well, I, for the last 23 years, it's been general contractor. And uh, for 15 of those last years, I would say slash artist blacksmith. And now I guess the short answer is I'm a professional YouTuber, which is just a crazy thing to say. Yeah. And um, I guess we can touch upon the general contractor part of your job first. So could you describe a bit about what you did as a general contractor and what your duties were? Yeah. Um, so I, I did not just specialize in one particular niche in construction. I was always sort of drawn to figuring out new things and learning new things and also drawn to doing things that other people didn't particularly, uh, that didn't fit in other people's wheelhouse. And so I'd ended up doing a lot of technical concrete jobs and uh, additions and renovations and swimming pools and bridges and steel fabrications and just a lot of things around the periphery of, of construction rather than right down the middle. I didn't once I moved back to Oregon and became a general contractor, I only did a couple of houses. I I didn't I I did things for people that were that people didn't know who else to get to do them. I would come in and sort of my duties were my you know what my primary duty was really was helping people sort of flesh out what they thought they wanted, explain to them what their real world alternatives were, and help them determine what the costs for those alternatives would be give them a good idea of what it was going to look like when it was done, um, come to an agreement on price, and then build something for them that exceeded their expectations. That that was pretty much what my duties were, and that was really what I enjoyed the most. Wow. So would you say that from an early age you always wanted to go into this type of field? Great question. I think perhaps, but I didn't know it. As a as a kid, I liked to build things. I I used to like to build little things, tree houses and little boats and forts and you know just I I like to chop and climb and and connect. And then in high school, I learned to weld, and so pretty soon I was doing that. And so I think it was sort of inexorable that 
that I would end up making something. Um, the the actual step into construction happened when I decided not to stick with university setting engineering curriculum and I needed a job so I went to work as a carpenter mm -hmm. because it appealed to me and then it turned out to be a good fit. Hmm. So would you say that that would be a typical path for somebody that would want to go into the contractor and carpeting, uh, carpenting field? Or would you say that was a more unique approach to getting into the industry? I think probably the majority of general contractors come to that from carpentry. But I think the majority of successful contractors come to general contracting from any kind of a business background and just decide to pursue business as a general contractor. And they prosper more because they have a better business background. The carpenters, like me, just just become a more advanced builder. You know, that we get kind of caught up in the actual building and lose track of the actual business. So I think the largest percentage of really successful contractors probably were not carpenters. But the largest percentage of contractors generally probably came up out of the trades. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So we talked a bit about like the different things that a contractor may do. But I was wondering what the schedule might have been like on a daily basis. What would you be doing? I'm sure it varies on like it varies day to day. But I guess generally, what would you be doing from when you wake up to the end of the workday. Okay. Okay. So first of all, you, you are very intuitive that it, it was, it varied widely. I mean, no two days in a week were ever the same. Um, probably no two or three days in a month were ever exactly the same. But having said that, um, I would, I, I gradually, as I got older, got in the habit of waking up early. And as soon as my eyes would come open and I would come to consciousness, I would begin to think about the problems that had to be solved, the things that had to be scheduled, the materials that had to be in place, the things that I forgot to take care of the day before. So really, as soon as I was awake, I was problem solving around the day's activities. Um, with the advent of cell phones, and I know this is strange to you, but cell phones are not... Um, have not always been a tool that's been available to a contractor, but with the advent of cell phones, I would find myself in contact with with suppliers and subcontractors that I was going to be meeting that day, probably starting around 6.30 a.m., and that would continue until I got to the job around usually 8, because lots of times I couldn't, you can't start too early when you're remodeling Mrs. Jones's basement. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you can't disrupt their schedule just because of your own. Mm -hmm. And so the first couple hours would be um, in planning and, and scheduling and, and phone contact. And then once I got there, since I was a small contractor, most of the time it was put my tools on and either start um, some demolition or um, moving material and cutting boards and nailing them up or perhaps um, you know, walking over the job with the drywaller and pointing out some things that I wanted him to, to redress or mm -hmm. so it, it was just it was a, a blend of actually producing the work and overseeing the work and scheduling the work interspersed with phone calls about um, 
upcoming bids. I'm always marketing, always developing the prices for the jobs that are coming up. Um, talking with previous clients about, you know, maybe something they're not happy with that I need to arrange a call back. Um, calling back to my wife who was doing the books for me to remind her of a, a bill to be paid or a, an invoice to be sent out. And that would continue that, that route and then driving back and forth to suppliers and getting loads of lumber and drywall and, and, and getting that to the job to keep the subs going. And that would continue until, you know, 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and then home and maybe do some drawing and work on some plans and develop takeoffs for jobs that were coming up. And, and so about maybe 14 hours after I woke up, I'd go to bed and do the same thing the next day. Wow. And you describe a lot of diverse things that you do from drawing and planning to doing the actual work itself. Uh, how would you say being a contractor differs from being an architect, or would you say they're actually really similar? Um, they are they are um, completely different aspects of this of similar processes. The architect's business is um, ideas and um, creativity mm. and um, design. And helping people, uh, sort of guessing what is in a, per, a person's, what is going to please a person and what's going to please the, the architect's aesthetic sense and trying to find the happy medium between what the person is thinking and what the architect knows it will work. And so it's all about about ideas and design, as I understand it. Um, and also some value engineering, you know, trying to figure out the least expensive way to get the look everybody wants. A contractor especially a small contractor has to interface with those same sorts of things, but he can use an architect to fully, um, fully explore the ideas with a client, or he can use a draftsman, or maybe if he wants to do it himself, he can do that himself. But the work, the actual production of the work is all on the contractor. The architect has no responsibility for the actual um, scheduling or productivity or selection of subcontractors or um, any of that. The, the architect is not spending any money to build the, the the project and the contractor is spending a ton of money to build the project and I think that's probably the bottom line difference. Mm, I see and um, you're talking a lot about some really cool things and I'm sure a lot of teenagers are gonna be really interested so what would you say your advice is for a teenager that wants to go into this field of contracting and they want to go right in? Do you recommend college or do you recommend working at it as an apprentice? What would you say is your advice to a teenager that wants to work in this field? Okay. Um, so first they have to find some way to get a realistic assessment of their own, of their own personalities and their own strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And if they can't develop that on their own, then they need to find someone they can trust who can help them understand what their strong suits are and their weak suits. And then depending on that answer, I mean, there are construction management programs at universities and they're okay. I, well, wait, they're great for some people. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to become a contractor through having first been a project manager or a superintendent for a large construction firm, then maybe you go get a construction management degree, maybe. Mm -hmm. 
But if you're a hands-on kind of a guy, so so the construction management is for a kind of an OCD, you know, obsessive, compulsive, organized guy who likes spreadsheets and likes to enter data and likes to keep track of numbers and stuff. If you're that kind of a guy, then maybe you do a construction management program someplace. If you're if you're the kind of person that is not really a self-starter and not super self-motivated, but you want to do this, but you need some somebody to hold your feet to the fire a little bit, then then maybe find a, a, a junior college that offers um, some courses in construction, some construction courses or some carpentry courses or an apprenticeship program. They're hard to find, but that will, will provide the order that maybe you need and the accountability that you need. Mm-hmm. If you're someone that is a self-starter, you bounce out of bed in the morning and you like to work, I mean, you actually like the experience of working, then go out and get a job in the field. Go out and, and uh, just start walking onto framing crews or find some general contractors and hound them until they hire you. Say, put me to work. I'll work cheap. I'll work hard. And then do that. And pretty soon they'll identify you as sort of a hungry dog go-getter and they'll give you some responsibility and they'll teach you some more things and you can certainly learn it that way also. But you have to have a realistic assessment of what you are actually bringing to the table, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that is that what the kind of thing you're asking about? Yeah, or I could, exactly. I, could, I, could, I could go on on this. I mean, if you do come to construction through the trades... The trap is you you, um, you start in on one trade and at first you're not paid much and with your experience your pay can go up and your pay can go up until pretty soon you're making pretty good money. And then maybe you have a wife and kids and you want to learn more things about construction but you can't because you're specialized in one area and to jump over into a new into sort of a new guy role in a different craft is going to mean a pay cut. And so you it's easy to kind of get locked pigeonholed into one area and become a specialist, which is okay because then you could become a specialist contractor. Maybe you're an electrical contractor or a plumbing contractor or a drywall contractor, a subcontractor, you see, and not a general contractor. So this is another way into the trades. And there are subcontractors who make just as much or more money than most general contractors. Hmm. Wow. So we talked a lot about some paths getting into the career and I was also wondering what are some important personality traits that someone would need to have to also be successful in this industry okay it I know that high school kids some of them don't like to hear what I'm going to say next mm-hmm. but in almost any brand any field any um, niche in construction the more math you have the more successful you're going to be mm. math is power even in construction um, you will almost never find a person with responsibility a foreman or a superintendent in construction that is not comfortable with numbers and I wish I wish that high, my high school geometry and trigonometry and algebra teachers would have explained that to the classrooms they you know we would say well we're never going to l- use this stuff I wish they could have explained, well, actually, look, here's how a carpenter uses it. Here's how you could use it in laying out a foundation. Here's how you could figure it, use it in figuring resistance or amperage or voltage. or. Um, so that's the first thing. The next thing is you have to be – Nate has a saying, and I should let him describe this. Nate, are you still with us? I've kind of been dominating this. No, I, Yeah, I'm just listening in. I, oh, I'm here, oh, though. 
Okay, talk about your idea, which is such a good one, about under-promising and over-delivering, because that's a key personality characteristic. Yeah, I don't know if it's a personality characteristic or even just a, a, a learned um, best practice, almost. But, yeah, the idea is um, kind of setting expectations, and this applies in when you're working for somebody or even when you're planning a vacation and um, keeping expectations and on maybe on the low side and then surpassing them is just a, a guaranteed way to impress and to kind of make a make a big uh, positive impact and if you you're telling somebody what it is you can provide or what you're gonna do or what your skills are and you hold back don't don't oversell yourself and say oh I can do that I can do this of course I've, I've done that you're you're almost setting yourself up to failure because you, the person might really believe you and might kind of assume some other things about you um, assuming that you're credible you know and 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 then and when the rubber meets the road that person's going to say oh everything you kind of said there is not the case and you compare that to a, a person who says well i i'm okay i've done i've done that a couple times i i'm a quick learner and then the employer's expectations are at one place and you kind of get in the seat of doing it and you surpass those expectations that individual is going to go wow you are a you are a fast learner I thought you said you weren't very good. It's just kind of a, it's almost a trick uh, more than anything else, but it's, it's really wise. And like I said, there's just a lot of areas where you can kind of pull that trick and almost always have positive results. Yeah, and, and the, the, a couple other prime personality characteristics. You have to be fundamentally dissatisfied with yourself if you're late to work. You have, you have to develop the mentality that if I'm late, that is a terrible reflection on me. And if you can take that in deep to where not only are you never late, but you're always not less than 10 minutes early, you automatically set yourself apart from almost all of your competition because, because young people are surrounded by competition for, for good jobs now. Mm -hmm. you, you have to develop the characteristic of keeping your eyes open to the way other people are doing things. And try to suppress your confirmation bias that the way you do it is the best because you know what it may not be and so train yourself to be hungry to learn from the way other people are doing things um, I guess that sort of speaks to humility doesn't it mm -hmm. you know being teachable so that's a better way to say it you gotta be teachable um, you have to be able to keep some sort of records a job log an account of what happens each day, even if it's just your own time and what you did with that time, is a key construction skill that that anybody can master if they just have the determination to do it. And it's interesting that as a general contractor, if you keep a job log of what happens on the job every day, that becomes a document that is admissible in court and wow. um, and can have a great deal of impact on the outcome of a, a legal contest about payment or anything else whoever keeps the best job log is going to win and that's a habit that any entry-level tradesperson can start and sooner or later their boss is going to be thankful when the boss comes around saying what did we do last week you know oh here I've got my little job log here's what we did boss bam you just set yourself up for a raise Wow and those are definitely like extremely important personality traits you gotta be organized you gotta know to be timely 
I had a question about another personality trait, which is communication. Do you think、oh. communication is really important, or could you be really smart and know all the hard skills, know all the math and everything, but if you don't know how to speak with others, would you still be successful in the job? You, you only need communication skills if you ever want to be the boss.、Mm-hmm. If you always just want to have your head down and be working, you don't have to be able to communicate. But if you ever want responsibility for the outcome of the whole job, Or even a part of the job, you have to be able to communicate. So, yeah, it is very, very important. And as you know, or, or will I actually, I can tell from your conversation, you know this the biggest part of communication is listening. And so you have to be a good listener in order to be a good communicator. And you have to be a good communicator if you are ever going to have a significant role in construction.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm. You know, I'm, I can see like all of those things in you as well. You're really great at communicating, expressing your ideas. I have another question about, not about general contracting, but about the different occupations that you talked about earlier, like being a blacksmith and others of that ilk. What would you say are some of the similarities and differences between the different occupations that you had throughout your life? Hmm. Um, so, the, the, it kind of, probably the biggest distinction in my blue collar、um, day to day job responsibilities has been that when I, when I have been functioning as a general contractor, I am solving, I am, I'm in business with people. Okay, and I'm, I'm accountable to their desires and I'm using their money and they're using my skills. And so it's a, an interpersonal、um, dance as a general contractor. When it's just a blue collar life and you're just showing up and punching a clock and you're there 15 minutes early and you stay five minutes late and you produce a little more work than all of the guys around you, it's a very limited commercial arrangement where you are providing a full hour's work for a full hour's pay and that's it. So, whether I was driving truck or logging or carpentering、um, on, as a union carpenter or as a piecework framer or at working as an artist blacksmith or a steel fabricator, when I was just there by the hour, the interpersonal aspect was much less important.、Mm-hmm. But as a general contractor, it's a blue collar job with white collar overtones. And so the, the whole business aspect. Became, it is the biggest distinction. Blue collar is blue collar in construction. It's all about using the tools and, and, and、uh, moving material. But as soon as you go into business with somebody, it becomes a completely different paradigm.、Mm. And I guess this would be like the last question I have in terms of your blue collar jobs, which is. What would you say would be some of the harder aspects of the job that you might not have liked as much and maybe would have been willing to change? That's a good question. Some blue collar jobs have just mind numbing repetition,、mm-hmm. particularly if you specialize、uh, in construction and just become truly a master of one niche. You will find yourself for decades doing the same thing over and over and over. So, that, that can be a problem, unless you're a person who can get into that 
zone and be comfortable with that and get your satisfaction and fulfillment in other aspects. Now, I didn't do that. I, I was such a variety junkie, I just changed fields and learned new things. And so I, my learning curve remained vertical most of the time. Uh, but another thing that some people are appalled by is that the working conditions can be rough. You are working in the rain and the snow and the 115 degree days and you're working in the mud. Um, and so all of those things can be very disagreeable. But they also can be a wonderful challenge, and it's nice to be outside, especially when the weather's good. Then the mm. poor people stuck in the offices are looking out their windows wistfully, thinking they should have done something uh. outside. But when it's pouring rain and it's blowing snow sideways, they look out their window and they never think about the carpenters out there that are still working outside. You know, so mm -hmm. it, everything's a trade-off. You know, every the law of unintended consequences is very, very active in choosing any career. And that includes a career in construction. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support this podcast, remember to always follow it on all the platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. And just share it with other people that you think might find use in it. That's my main goal is just to help people. So... That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one. Um, part two is going to be on what it's like running a YouTube channel based on education and kind of like a TV show, but for YouTube. So it'll be interesting. That's coming out later. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.